the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 137, recorded Saturday, April 5th, 2014. Answering the distribution question. AV Week is brought to you by Middle Atlantic Products and their TechPed technology pedestals. Middle Atlantic Products, what great systems are built on. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I'm your host. How are you? Uh, with us this week is Bradford Ben and his coffee cup. Um, Hello, everyone. <laughs> Brad's from Harmon uh, International. What does that say? I can't. I can't read what the the coffee cup says. Yes, dear. Yes, ah, dear. There you go. That makes sense. Speak all because my wife was nice enough to bring me coffee this she morning. Was. I have to make her use the right cup. She didn't bring me any, so. Uh, <laughs> it's a little bit of a commute. It was. Uh, also with us is Paul Schmidt. Paul is from Cisco. How are you, sir? Hi. Good. How's it going today? Excellent. Uh, and last but not least, Matt D. Scott, who also has some beverage of choice. He was he was showing up before in the well, I'm Dr. Pepper. He has Dr. Pepper in a Coca-Cola glass. In a Coca-Cola cup. And, and Paul has coffee's, coffee as well. My uh, coffee's cold, but I'll have a little too. I have water. So. Uh, <laughs> Tim, you guys know. a quitter. Uh, I know. Uh, <laughs> Aviation. People are drinking coffee. The really cool people have Tim Hortons coffee. And I do not oh. have any Tim Hortons yet, Mr. Scott. Uh, wow, it's like a bucket. It's not a. That's not a cup. That's like a bucket. It is. <laughs> Say that like it's a problem. <laughs> I don't have blood. I have caffeine. Yeah. Okay. Good night. I have already lost control. Uh, Aviation is brought to you by Middle <laughs> you Atlantic. Lost control as soon as you invited me. Middle Atlantic Products <laughs> and their Tech Ped technology pedestals. Check them out. Middle Atlantic Products. What great systems are built on? Yes, we. Uh, you have to warn me you're going to do drop-ins, or is that why I don't, you know, squish the sponsors? Okay, I'm sorry. I, I will this. warn you next time. Uh, this week on uh, on AV Week, we're going to talk about a number of things. Distribution. Um, Cisco has uh, some uh, some uh, camera developments they're they're going around, and we're going to talk about the scary people um, that are not trying to take your jobs but you know security companies and other companies like them that are getting into uh, into AV and, and into IT and uh, seeing what what they can you know what where they can make uh, make a living uh, actually let's start out with with Cisco and since we have Paul we'll start with him uh, interrupt okay. 2014 was was this week and well Paul you guys had a number of different developments uh, one of them being the fact that you have something you're calling a new well the, the people that wrote the story are calling a new ecosystem uh, live action and, and a number of different um, IP camera products uh, the fact that it's it there there you guys are referring to it as an open IP platform what exactly does that mean well I, I, you're gonna you're not gonna be happy with this but okay. this is not my group oh, well, never mind Cisco, as you could probably imagine Cisco's a pretty big operation I did read this okay and, and I know kind of what they're what they're doing but uh, I, you know, I know no one involved in this, and so I just put, you know, full up uh, disclosure here. Yeah. But I, I think what I read about it uh, kind of falls in line with some of the other things we're doing, which is kind of falls into the Internet of Everything mm -hmm. and, and into that role of, of being able to actually use this, the internets and the network for all types of traffic and, and all types of information. But I, what I gathered from this one in particular in our area was that what it does is actually because you have the network sometimes drops sometimes you have issues with with getting it back and security is so important that what it does is actually save a portion of the video on the camera really? and so if your network that's what I was gathering was if, if your network goes down for a period of time it'll actually hold it and then as the network comes back up it'll feed it back out in a, in a proper in a proper manner is what I what I read from it. So well, let's talk about the whole because you guys, as well as, as other folks, as well, are, are doing the Internet of Things. I mean, Nest yeah. and and Google, and and we we can talk about the the fact that Nest this week stopped selling the uh, 
their uh, their smoke alarm for a couple of different reasons. But you know mm-hmm. that that right there, the fact that mm-hmm. the network goes down or this that and the other, and we are putting more and more things on the network. Is that a problem? And then if it is, how do we solve it? Yeah, not for Cisco. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's been our goal all along. Oh, <laughs> nicely as much done. As we possibly can on the network. Uh, you know, if you look back 15 years, that was the goal. And uh, you know, as we started to move more real-time communications on the network, of course, voice was was really one of the first ones to move in. And then, of course, we went to video and 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 really started to move digital signage and and web conferencing like what we're doing now that all runs on the network and while you know definitely affects bandwidth it definitely affects how you control this type of signal over the network in that this can't be broken uh, like an email or something like that so uh, it's very critical that it comes in at at the right pace and the right time and 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 it has the right priority so that you can actually get it there on time and and so all of this has to be worked in we know this is coming. I, I think it shouldn't be a surprise to anyone that probably 90% of the traffic that's going to be running on the network is going to be video or voice or some type of real-time traffic. Yeah. So it's here to stay. It's going to get bigger, and we just have to adapt to it. Okay. Uh, all right, Matt, mm-hmm. let's let's kick it off with you then. It, if if you're not running a, a Cisco product then, and it does go down, what do you do? I mean, what, what are some of the backup systems that you can put in place? What other, what other kind of network products would we use oh, other than Cisco? Don't. Come on. <laughs> Very I nice. Don't one well, you don't have to be that nice. <laughs> Come yeah, on. Every so, every so often you have to do AVB, so you need to use an extreme network. Yes, switch. indeed. <laughs> well, I, actually, hang on. I'm not going to ask Paul this because it will put him on the spot, but I have heard rumor. That there is a secret, secret, super secret firmware uh, in some uh, Cisco um, uh, switches and, and routers that, and the, I didn't hear this from the Cisco person. I heard it from another integrator that uh, you can upload this super secret um, uh, firmware and you can do AVB on a Cisco network. So, I, I, I've, I I've heard that, but I haven't seen it done or Me tested either. it. And, and I would be one of these people who can, who might know of this rumor of which you speak mm-hmm. and I still <laughs> use the Extreme Network AVB certified one mainly because there's enough moving parts that having a cohesive certified network makes my life easier and I might keep some of my hair. Yeah. So. Well and again if it's one of those things where you can rule out the possibility of an issue mm-hmm. it it's probably smarter especially if you're you know building a deployment from the get-go and not trying to integrate into an existing system. No, that's true. Right. No, I, I would, you know, everything that I've heard about AVB running on the routers and switches, and I, one of the people that I'm trying to keep up with that within Cisco is it's a hardware issue. Okay. And so I, I'd be a little surprised to think that you can get around it entirely with the software upgrade. And it could be that, you know, I'm just guessing here, I don't know, uh, that there are certain levels of router that, that you, you that the hardware may be at least somewhat capable, and the software gets it all the way there. I'm not sure. Yeah, You're yeah, saying we can um, quote you on that? That there's a. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm saying I'm stumbling west. around, but I, the, the latest <laughs> I know, I mean, it is if you if you want something official, it would be that we don't have ABB in our yeah. routers and switches, and there there's no ETA for it. Uh, not to say it would never happen, but it's it's something that's not eminent or you know anything that we're going to see anytime soon. And that's the exact same thing I'm hearing from other people at Cisco who are on the AVB side. So, yeah. And I will, as a manufacturer, I'll say one of the things that I'm sure Paul would say is, you put your own off off brand firmware in there. Of course, we're going to go. Ah, I don't know. You mm-hmm. you know you not you void the warranty, but we we can only guarantee it works with our firmware. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you can make right, it work. Children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, yeah. <laughs> anyway, no, and that, and that was the, that was the rumor. It was that was you know again. I've never seen this I, I, done. Actually, I'd be curious to know about it. If anybody does run across it, they could send it uh, send me some information. I, I'd I'd like to know that that was possible. Yeah. But to my knowledge, it's not. But uh, again, this was this curious. was a rumor that, that that somebody another integrator told me that yeah you know, they again that they had heard so. I, okay. It's it's like a friend of a friend who saw Bigfoot. So you know. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I know that guy. I know you know that guy. You are that guy, yeah. actually. Uh, from... Canada, we got all kinds of crazy stuff up here. Yeah, only in Canada, it's not Bigfoot. It's just some guy in a weird hat. Um, from Pro Audio Central, Allen and Heath appoints E and E as uh, the distributor for Allen and Heath products. Now, 
Um, not that Allen & Heath isn't a fine company, and I'm sure e and as well, but this is really isn't about the story. It's more about the system, right? And I've got two fine um, manufacturers and an integrator. This is the, the debate I want to have in the conversation. What is better for the end user? What is better for the integrator? And what's better for the manufacturer? Um, is it the distribution channel where you go through somebody uh, like Almo, like uh, another distrib- distribution line? Or is it better to have a you know, direct relationship um, where it's you, you purchase it straight from Cisco, straight from Harman, straight from Crestron or AMX? Mm-hmm. Um, Matt, we're going to kick it off with you because you have an interesting story, first of all, uh, that directly you know, talks about this. <laughs> Uh, and I'm not asking for numbers or names. Just you know, you have an interesting story. So um, I'll get you numbers and names. No. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but what what for you from your standpoint as as the person in between the manufacturer and the end user? What's better for you? Well, I, I do want to interject something before Matt goes <laughs> off on this tangent. Is, is your name Matt? It, it, hold on. <laughs> when did it change? <laughs> this is a tough crowd. It is a tough <laughs> we both crowd. have two percent. You have no Doesn't idea. Jump my gun. Yeah, I said I wanted to say interject before you started talking. Don't make me have to pull out Robert's order on you. Go ahead. Go ahead, ahead, Bradford. The floor is yours, my friend. Thank you. Uh, Matt is an international distributor for a U.S.-based company. Or he's in an international market for a U.S.-based company. So there are kind of two different models to look at of the international and the domestic. Definitely. And that was awesome. Yeah, no, that was how I was going to lead off that. Because I okay. am in Canada, it is no. You don't have to leave. You can stay. Um, I'm gonna go get my book. Oh, perfect. Um, <clears throat> because I am a Canadian firm, <clears throat> excuse me, and we do the majority of our actual sales business in Canada. We do deal with some different things that most people in the U.S. will deal with. That being said, uh, or sorry, because of that. The large portion of our business is distributor. Most of Canada is dealt with on a distributor-based level. Um, so for for us, again, the majority of our products that we sell and and deal with are mainly purchased through distribution. Perfect. <laughs> I guess I should make noise so I show up so that people see what the book I'm holding up. Hey, what book okay. is that? It's the Gorilla Guide to Robert's Rules. There you go. Beautiful. Um, so for us, you know, we buy almost everything through distribution, uh, and it's it, it's a two, it's really a two-headed beast. It's very effective because it means that we have one account, if you will, that we need to deal with and go through to get a wide range of products. The downside is that a, and again, part of this is very Canadian specific. Uh, a lot of our price points are very interesting, shall we say. Uh, and the other thing, again, not being in the U.S., sometimes our time frames, are, are, as far as like shipping uh, of products, is much, much longer. We do not, as a rule, have too many companies that will drop ship, especially if it's not within the country. So if it's got to come from, I just ordered some products from a, a great company in Pennsylvania, uh, through one of my local distributors here in Toronto, and it's not in stock in Toronto, so it is going to take rather than drop shipping from Pennsylvania to me directly, it has to go from Pennsylvania to Toronto, sit in Toronto for a day or two days, and then ship to me. So I'm now into a two-week, most likely 10 business day process to get a product that could have been effectively overnighted to me in a, a night or, or two days at most. Uh, the pricing side of things can vary dramatically, and uh, I, we were talking before we listed about some products that were specifying for a upcoming project uh, in the uh, essentially headphone amp side of things. And uh, our pricing is our, our distributor-based pricing is higher than street value. Which makes it, and, and we're not talking TVs and, and stuff that are highly commoditized. We're talking products that should have a decent margin, and we should be able to sell uh, and actually make some money. And most likely, these will be something that ends up getting purchased by the consumer uh, from from you know essentially it's not Amazon, but essentially from Amazon because it's cheaper than by than me purchasing it and trying to sell it back to them. All right, 
Now, now that we have that out there, and I'll, I'll mention a couple of things w- as we go along here. Bradford, well, <laughs> um, he mentioned amplifiers, so we'll start with that. From the manufacturer standpoint, uh, and I'm not asking you to specifically speak for Harman, but from your point of view, is it is it a better situation to have a distributor situation, a distributor channel, or is it better for everybody involved um, to have a direct, you know, company manufacturer to integrator? Uh, there, this is kind of a multi-headed beast. So we can talk internationally, especially where the primary language is not English, and having a local distributor that translates your manuals and offers warranty service and is in your time zone and all that stuff can be advantageous. So there is that where overseas, and I think a lot of people are doing that also because of trade regulations and sales and having to having to take care of everyone overseas. So that's kind of one model. And yes, Canada falls into international market for us, even though it's, you know, so close, but <laughs> it is an international market. Uh, so we go through a distributor there. We don't sell direct uh, to people. In the States, uh, we have a mix and match of dealers that we, you know, sell to direct, and that has the advantage of they can call us up, they can issue, and we can issue them a return merchandise authorization right, you know, right then on the phone because we have their credit information. And then you have other dealers who don't do the volume that's needed or just do one and two pieces and aren't uh, at the same level as some of our integrators and they go through a, a distribution channel, whether it be an Almo, an Avid, uh, Empire Wholesale, you know, take your pick, and they have to go back through them for the return merchandise authorization because they don't have any any financial standing with the company. Uh, I think part of that also depends on the way the company is run. Uh, one of the things that Harmon does, and I can't speak for everyone, is that we treat the warranty as if it's through to the person. So if someone wants to send it back to us for repair and we send it back to them, no problem. We can do that directly with the end user. If someone wants an advanced replacement, we need to get some credit terms there just from a, a financial standpoint, and that's easier through a dealer. But we don't differentiate when it comes to tech support and things like that of whether it's a dealer, an end user, a distributor, an integrator, you know, take your pick. It's you own a product, we're going to help you. Uh, there are pluses and minuses to both. Well, that that's that's a huge deal, though, yeah. because again, being in an international market, I deal with this all the time, and there are very few companies that do that. There are many times where we have to jump through hoops to deal with whoever. So our client, they'll call, and it'll become a well. Where did you purchase this from? Who did you get it from? It needs to go back through them, and that again is just it's added time, added cost for us. Um, one of the other points I'll add to that is that <clears throat> a lot of times, again, with most of our companies that we purchase through distribution, after the 30 days, you're almost in limbo at times because the distributor will take it back if there's an issue within 30 days from them selling it to you, not when you sell it on, as well as uh, if there's an issue after the fact, occasionally you'll run into a situation where the manufacturer wants you to send it back to the distributor although the dis- distributor won't take it because it's past their 30-day policy. And as soon as you add the international site into that, it becomes very it gets, limited. And yeah. I have boxes in my house right now that aren't even at the office that are products that we've had to eat because no one would take it back. Even though it was and, in the one year, they wouldn't deal with it. And that is definitely a problem. Uh, yes. I'm not going to say it's not. Uh, I can't speak for everyone's arrangement with their distributors. Uh, but we do have we do expect our distributors to provide a certain level of support to stay a dealer. We expect our dealers to provide a certain level of support to stay a dealer, yeah. uh, because there's a certain amount of brand equity that should come with that. And I'm you know like I said I'm not speaking specifically as Harmon, but I'm talking about my experience there and my experience as a previous integrator is I do believe that the warranty should follow the product, not who you bought it from. Now if you want to return it and get an advanced replacement and there's money trading hands, you yes. need to get you need someone that you have financial standing with. And that's just welcome to, you know, the the twenty four you know, the twenty tens, whatever the right phrase is for this. It's just part of the financial implications of doing business nowadays. But I do think that having 
localized distribution should be helpful. Like, say, for instance, we were to sell into Quebec. I don't speak French, but our distributor in Canada, in theory, speaks French. I've I've heard them speak French. I think I think they've talked bad about me when they're speaking French. No, well, let me, no, sure no one would ever because, do that. Because here's the no, thing: no. you've got you you. I don't know if Harman does, but but Cisco does, and Extron, and AMX, and, and Crestron, and, and a number of, of larger companies have international offices, right? Oh, yeah. So, and that and that's kind of where I, I mean I understand your your point, uh, Bradford, when it comes to a local, you know, whether it's it's French or German or. or Chinese, and you can get into the different flavors of you know the different dialects in China. Um, I, I understand that part, but when you've got an international company, and Harman is, uh, that have local offices there, then that's where you know you've got somebody there that can do that, right? Yes, and we do have local offices in a couple of places. We do have a local office in China, but we also, because of the way China set up, we also have a distributor because it makes sense sometimes to go through distribution, sometimes to go direct. Okay. Uh, it's. I hate to say it all depends because that's a Pat Brown answer, but it does <laughs> it depend a, a whole bunch. No, it you works. know, it's. It, it is a little bit of a. Uh, of we have the same challenge here in the states of if, you know, if someone wants to buy one amp, do you set them up as a dealer or do you put them through distribution? And you think about all those one or two amp sales overseas, and you say distribution is better. Yeah. So if I could if I could jump in, I yeah, guess sorry. at that point and, and kind of take it from from there, which is I, I've I've actually worked with manufacturers that done it a lot of different ways, and there is some of that. It depends the size of the company, the amount of sales you make, you know, how many products you have, uh, which makes those kinds of decisions. But I, I think there's one of the things that is important to distinction is, do you possibly purchase your product through a distributor, but you still have a relationship with the, with the manufacturer and I think that's probably more important than essentially product fulfillment because when you really get to it in most cases uh, we have the same kind of rules you know at Cisco you have to have a, you know a certain amount of sales in order for us to deal with you directly and it's it's large I mean you, you've got to really run a lot of product otherwise you'll go through distributor that does not mean you don't have a relationship with the manufacturer and that we work with you to kind of direct on a lot of basis even to the point where a lot of the largest uh, partners that we have actually purchase from direct and distributors. And so there's a lot of benefit. In some cases, they can get product faster through a distributor that has it on the shelf they can, than they can get it through the manufacturer directly. And mm. they can also spread their credit. And so a lot of, I mean, we see this happen a lot, where you know they'll buy from us for to a certain amount, and then they'll buy from distributors to a certain amount, potentially multiple distributors from a certain amount. And so there's, I guess there's there's a connotation, especially in the AV space, that if you buy from a distributor, that you're some kind of lesser uh, entity or some uh, lesser quality. And I think that that should be managed by the manufacturer to say this does not mean you're kind of a lesser partner. This means that this is just probably in some ways is the better and, and in some ways uh, somewhat a more proper process to work through. So you get them to work with and you get the manufacturer to work with. You just fulfill your product through the distributor. Well, so the I think that's the big distinction. Yeah, because the bottom line really should be, it really shouldn't matter where you're purchasing your products from. We are one of those companies who, um, even with like Middle Atlantic, we buy and purchase direct from them we're a direct dealer with them. We are also, or we are also able to obtain it from two other distributors, and it just comes down to essentially what we need, when we need it, and what's going on. If I need, <coughs> excuse me, if I need one small or, or a couple of rack shelves, I'm probably, possibly not going to get it direct from Middle Atlantic if I'm placing a huge order with Abbott tomorrow, because I'm dealing with two freight issues. I can roll that together, it'll all ship as one, it's no problem. Um, the downside is that doesn't obviously, uh, in a lot of situations, that will not count towards my numbers with the company that I'm purchasing direct from. Um, but it's much more effective, especially with somebody like that who has a huge pro uh, product scope, to be able to call someone who works directly for the company and get the exact information I need from everything, rather than dealing with some guy that works at the desk at one of the distribution houses who may not be as familiar with it. Uh, we do the same thing with Lutron, where we, we purchase direct through two distributors, 
uh, or sorry, not direct. We purchase through two distributors, but we have a great relationship with them on a corporate level. So if we have any issues, I don't, I, I never call my distributors and ask them if this dimmer will work with this lighting load. I call my rep from the company. I call, uh, you know, Pennsylvania directly to speak to someone. And it's, again, it's very advantageous for us to keep that relationship open, even though we could go direct. Again, being international, it means that we're shipping stuff from Canada versus shipping some stuff from Pennsylvania to Canada all the time. And it's, it's a hard thing because there are, and I see it at every trade show, when I walk into some of the booths and they ask where, you know, if we're a direct dealer with them or not, and we say, no, 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 we purchased through this distributor, every now and again, depending on the manufacturer, we'll get a, oh, um, yeah, well, you'll have to go talk to this person because they deal with distri uh, distribution. And you do at times get treated as if you're not as special as some of those direct accounts, which is... In, in my case, is always just hilarious because most often we can't buy direct because we're in Canada. We don't have a choice. <laughs> well, and let me let me ask that because let's get to, get to the bottom line because the bottom line is the bottom line. I mean, Matt mentioned the tell the story about how his, his client could purchase what you know the, the the product cheaper than he could, and that was one thing that that I've noticed um, in, in my indoctrination into the integration space uh, coming from from higher ed. Welcome to our world. Yeah, yeah thank you. It's crazy. Um, is <laughs> more than one distributor and more than one manufacturer has used the line. Um, uh, your price is the same as everybody else's. It's across the board. Uh, and and had one uh, one distributor even mentioned B and H by name because apparently you know that B and H is 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 the one that a lot of end users Matt can contest to this will will say hey you know I saw it online for this price, and sometimes that price is the exact same price or less than what we can, we as integrators can purchase it for, and and I'm not smart enough to know if that's a distribution channel if that's you know them getting it direct I mean it is is. That's, I guess, where I, my bigger question comes in is from an integrator from an integrator standpoint, um, you're you're sitting here uh, have, needing to go through distribution because you know, like Paul and, and and Bradford said, you don't you don't sell enough, and I get that, I understand that. That's that's not where I'm going with this, but you know, when when you're sitting yeah, here, well, <laughs> you, you, well you're, you're, you're Canadian. <laughs> no, you're Canadian. It's you're not Canadian. that you don't sell enough, Matt. That you're in a different country. Yeah, I know. But, oh. but that's I guess that's where I'm, I'm coming from. I, and I understand you. Everybody has to make money along the way. But when you're sitting here and you're you're dealing with with a, a house of worship, you know, in in, in Springfield, mm -hmm. Illinois, and and you've got a projector that that you're you're paying a thousand dollars for, and they can buy it for nine ninety five from B and H. You know, <laughs> where, well, where where are you yeah. making money then? Can, it, can I jump in on that one for yes, a moment? Yes, absolutely. I, I think we, you know, I, I, this goes back to way back when I was with Panasonic years and years ago. And, and there, were, you know, in the broadcast and television systems, we had product that was, what would you consider? It was like small camcorders, inexpensive camcorders yeah. that were just, you know, drop and ship. A lot of that has to do with the product that you're selling. Okay. And in some cases, it, it is what it is. If it's a commodity type product, it's pretty tough to put a lid on it and, and protect the guys that are local. On the other hand, there is product that does require integration, that does require some face-to-face some -face contact, and how do you manage that type of product? Now, back then, we actually had something called the S&I program where you would actually have to go out, get a customer to sign it, and say that I came out and did the setup and install. And then you'd turn that back into Panasonic, and we'd give a, a rebate back to the local to a local partner. So you actually had to go out there in order to do it. So the the manufacturers kind of have to think in those terms and saying, if it's a commodity, again, it's pretty tough. I mean, it, it is what it is. And we had B&A ship at Panasonic that would sell stuff for, you know, and I had uh, Vitacomp and other places like that that would sell things at, at very low margins. Uh, but that's just the way that game was played. But once you started to get into the more higher-end systems and, and the more sophisticated systems, we did try to put some things in that would protect that local partner, the one that had to be out there in the field. And so that's what a manufacturer has to work through is, is keeping those kind of product lines segregated where you, you can actually make a, a profit when you're doing the install and setup and all that type of thing. So I think that's part of it. And we've well, done something similar of we have products that sorry Matt I'm jumping in I, of, I see of, I'm used to it we I'm have used products to it. we have products that you know are contractor only you have, mm -hmm. 
they are not available through the commodity market. So there are products that you have to be you have to be a contractor, whether you have a contractor's license or however you determine it. You know, you have to be a contractor, and those are only available. Now, you can buy it through a distribution channel, but it's at full retail. The idea being is exactly to Tim's point of we're trying to give the integrator a, the street price is full retail, and your price is less than retail, even if you go through a distributor locally, you know, a U.S. distributor, so that you can still make your part, your your margin. So we, we realize that, and I'm sure, like, like Paul mentioned, Cisco does similar things, I'm sure, of some products are just commodities. You're just going to ship them. You want to buy, you know, it sounds funny from a manufacturer standpoint, you want to buy a C container full of amplifiers? It's the exact same amount of paperwork and cost for us as if you buy one amplifier because we still need to enter that into the system and all that. So we do offer economies of scale. I'm pretty sure every manufacturer does. So there is a certain part of that, and that's one of the reasons we, for some of our smaller dealers, we say, go through distribution because then they can get that economy of scale through the distribution. So it is a very difficult line to walk as everyone plays through this. Now to get to one of the big questions is what happens when it when it breaks. Going through B&H and purchasing something through B&H you can still call and get help but if you need to return a product it has to go back through B&H to come to us. Mm -hmm. And we have that same model with Avid and the same model yeah. with Empire Wholesale and, you know, pick your pick your end, end person. And then comes the whole problem of you have people who sell on the internet that aren't actually licensed dealers and all that. So it's the sales channel is a lot more challenging than I think people think about. Of it's very complicated. It's a yeah. very complicated process and it yeah. you know when you as soon as you add international into the mix, uh, you know, again being Canadian, we're so close to the border that we have clients that don't understand that again there there can be warranty issues when they purchase direct from a, a US company like B&H which we still see a lot of stuff get purchased through uh, we just did a, a large or not a large but a, a medium-sized house of worship upgrade op project where we sold a, a bunch of products into it including some stuff uh, <coughs> excuse me including some stuff like some basic uh, whirlwind uh, snakes and those ended up getting purchased through B&H and shipped across the border because it just made more sense for the client our, our and we have an account with them but our Canadian price point just we couldn't explain it to the client there was no no way that we could go after that saying hey here you know you did your research you saw the price point differences I can't touch that. So they bring it in and we install it and again we don't cover any of it because we didn't supply it. Um, but a lot of times that does happen and you know it, it's the same with our resi side where when it comes to TVs to panels most often they get purchased at Best Buy by the client and put in by us because there's just there's no margin, no markup. Uh, we quoted a project last week with like a $2,000 TV that Best Buy was 200 bucks below our best uh, wholesale price. Yeah. We can't compete with that. And, you know, obviously there's other, other uh, factors at play that sometimes allow us to compete with that. But most often it becomes a, hey, you buy it through us, it's this price. Uh, you buy it from Best Buy, go ahead, pick it up. Uh, if you want us to do it, we'll charge you for it. And we do. But just as uh, just as Paul said, when it's commoditized, it's very very difficult to deal with, and unfortunately, it's even harder to explain to the client. And th there are some gotchas that we haven't really talked a whole bunch about, and I'm not an expert on this, but I've learned about it the hard way. Of there are some laws and guidelines as to what we're allowed to tell to our distribution channel and our resellers and our and our end users when they advertise price and what they can sell mm -hmm. it for. We yeah. can't dict if you want to sell a product at a loss, you are legally allowed to. All we can say is you can't advertise it at this price. So, mm -hmm. you know, there are some gotchas for the manufacturer as well of we can we can give everyone the same price, but if someone wants to advertise it at one point of margin, there's very little we can do other than, you know, while well, we have a minimum advertised price that you might not be following. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So and I think you touched that. also on on the you know on selling directly to end users and I 
you know that that's a, a tough one as well. I mean, I, I, most every manufacturer I've worked with has the only time you do that is in very very rare occasions. You just you, you just really try to keep it away from an end user based sales model to to you know really kind of make sure it goes through the partners where it should, who have the techniques and the, and the expertise to get it done, and also if those partners are going to be there, allow them to make a little money. Uh, you know, if you go directly against them, I mean, I would have a problem with the manufacturer. <laughs> I mean, you know, any somebody that decided they were going to do that, I'd have a problem with them. Well, um, one of the, sorry, yeah, go ahead. One one of the things that we deal with quite often is uh, again, mostly distribution here. There is a lot of local stuff, um, but there's also a lot of big distributors who have uh, very large minimum order issues. And, you know, again, being international, it does change things. But there are many companies that we cannot sell a product from strictly because we can't actually purchase it. Um, one of my favorite uh, mic companies, they deal with distribution here in Canada, and we don't sell enough microphones over a, over a yearly basis um, to justify them opening an account for us which means that a lot of times if we want to specify that and if it's one of those projects where we're not just specking but we're actually supposed to supply we end up having to go essentially the retail route to buy it because some of these companies will not do as Brad said a one-off order and that is incredibly frustrating and part of my issue comes with the fact that I also have a US Corp and we do some work in the States and I can do that in the States no problem in Canada I cannot and we'd sell a lot more if we could, but mm -hmm. the fact that there are so many companies that will not allow those one-off orders or those small one-time orders without opening an account and having minimum orders and all this other stuff, and I realize why that's in place, but to not allow a dealer to properly, you know, the bottom line is we want to sell your products. When you make it so difficult for us to do it, again, even yeah. if it's a one-off or whatnot, that's ridiculous. We're going to go somewhere else and... You know, for for myself, I've been a long, a lifelong, lifelong supporter of this this mic company, but they won't sell to me, and it yeah. drives me insane because I I do I end up having to go the end user route, which is ridiculous. Just but, to get but it done. if you could say the the reason why a lot of times why as a manufacturer you do that is exactly the other reason that you'd look oh, at is to try to help you <laughs> to to make. To, you know, to make money. So it used to be in the old days. I'm dating myself here, but in the old days, you would have a single dealer, for instance, for a city, yeah. uh, or maybe two. And so you would say, for instance, Panasonic or Sony or something we like still that. You would say you were the Panasonic <laughs> dealer for that city, and there weren't others. And mm -hmm. so that was a way to kind of automatically make sure that you made money. And if you went out and hustled the business, you'd get it. Uh, that has all changed, and, and over the years, you know, as I've been in the business, that has gone by the window, and and now all partners carry all the products. You haven't so, been to Canada much recently, have you? Well, I, it's still <laughs> it's still somewhat there, I know, and and maybe that's just kind of a you know kind of a special situation, but in a lot of cases, that oh, we're special. That is it. You know, it, it's it's really if if you allow everybody to get it whenever they want it, then who's going to go out and sell it? And and yeah. if there's no you know, if who's going to go out and promote this type of thing on a regular basis? So some of this is trying to protect the, the partner base that you built. Of um, and if somebody comes along and says, you know, I had a deal for one or two or whatever, you know, you know, if you were on the other side of that, you you'd feel just as bad. You know, if yeah. we were letting anybody come in and get access to the product whenever they wanted it, it, it would be just as bad. And so, it, you know, it's it's kind of a it's a tough one to to figure out. But it really is. It's that two-headed yeah. beast. It doesn't really matter which way you go. Someone's going to be upset. Someone's going to be frustrated, right. and mm -hmm. someone's going to be mad. And it just it, it's always one of those things when it affects you directly. It really stinks. Yeah. No matter what side you're on. <laughs> yeah. But I'll bet you I could find some partners in Canada that would say, you sold it to Matt? He's not oh, a yeah. dealer. You know? yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no. We, you know? We and I went through all this training, and all I spent time. all this money on demo gear and all yep. this kind of thing, and then you know, you guys just give it to anybody that comes along. So you get and, the point. And, yeah, yeah, and that's, that's where it always yeah. comes down to. Um, you know, I'm a big proponent of not letting anyone buy things. We see that with a lot of the lines we sell. Um but there's also something to be said for, like with Cisco, you know, we, we're a Cisco partner, and we are able to sell to here. Yeah, sorry. Mm -hmm. To here. <laughs> and then there's a whole speck of products above here that we can't sell. 
and we can't right. sell directly, and we know that, and we work with partners who can. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the guys, and, and we've gone through the, you know, again, the certification process right. mm-hmm. and the training classes and da-da-da-da-da, just as you said, to be able to sell to this point. Right. I also know that I'm not going to sell much up in this spec, so I don't go after it. Yeah. Um, and that's that's the approach that I wish more companies would take, mm-hmm. where, hey, you want to sell anything, you got to do this. You want right. to sell more, you got to do this. And mm-hmm. work your way up so that, again, you know, dealers who are trying to work with that that brand, that that company, whatever, at least have an avenue. It's the ones where um, Brad and I have talked a, quite a few times about some of these situations in the pro audio world, where you know they want a hundred thousand dollars a year for something where you're selling you know thousand dollar mics. Mm-hmm. That can be difficult at times. Oh yeah, um, especially mm-hmm. depending on markets, and mm-hmm. you know a lot of times, a lot of the people will take essentially a blanket approach. To, to things or, or stuff that works in the states, they'll try and do it here uh, and in other countries, and and that doesn't always work. It, it's mm-hmm. again, it's a very this is a topic that we could talk for days on, and really not get anywhere. <laughs> yeah, and and for every ten people that you you bring in, there's going to be ten different thoughts. Oh, and exactly. Concepts, you, oh, yeah. You know, and so yep. it's it, it's a it's a world all of its own. You could write books and, you know, have encyclopedias about it. So you're right. We could go all day and not, so not get all the topics. Decided, the whole system's broken. Nothing actually works for everyone, and we're totally ruined. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> well, I'm just going to run everything through Matt. Yeah. Right. The yeah. one thing I can say, uh, you know, that I, not, to, not that this is, you know, a Cisco thing or anything, but one thing that would always be with Cisco is uh, is that they don't sell. You know, you really can't find volume deals. It's not that's not how it works. It is about certification. It is about yeah. how much you know and how much you've trained for. And so, literally, you can go as high as you want, but it's it's expensive to get all that certification and get everything that's bought into it. So we, you know, that was not the case at Cisco for many many years ago. It used to be those who sold the most got the most. You know, and and it really. And then when you get to product that is actually requires partners that really know what they're doing and have that expertise, well, in the old days, they'd run them all off because it was all just, you know, it was a free-for-all. It was uh, let, the, let the best shark win. Mm-hmm. And, and it was really, uh, you know, had to be changed in order to, to protect the partner who has that skill set and that capability. So, I mean, I would look for manufacturers that reward that, you know, and, and, and really kind of look at it as, a, you know, how can, I, how can I help those partners who truly do bring that talent and that capability to the field? There's always it's not easy all the time, but uh, you start to look for that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, in the extension of that, which would be a whole other topic, which I'm sure Tim would be very upset if we took over <laughs> the rest of the show, no. delve into, would be the fact that you know those certifications are important to purchase product or to obtain product properly, but a, a lot of times, what does that actually mean to the end user? Because most often, they don't know, they don't care. And they just want that price point of whatever product or, or solution they're trying to find. Um, mm-hmm. They'll go out and get it from anyone. We see that all the time uh, with a lot of the products and solutions that we provide. Oh, that it gets, you know, it we gets spend worse. all the time doing it. And you are bleeding, my friend. Whoops! And <laughs> it, gets, it gets worse when you uh, when you have ooh bad when you have uh, dealers that don't get along with their end with their end user. Oh uh, yeah, who did the configuration, did the training, and did all that stuff, and then, you know, for whatever reason, whether it be final closeout or whatever, doesn't work. And as the manufacturer, you're kind of in this weird thing of: do you support your dealer? Do you support the end user? And then yeah. the other joke is: you need a integrator that's smarter than the product they're integrating. Yeah. And all right, we're, that's become this really weird circle. We're going to let Bradford take care of his bloody nose for a second and uh, step away for a second. And, <laughs> and uh, Bradford's with us. You're listening to AV Week, Matt Scott and, and, and Paul Debersmith. And holy cow, this is kind of exciting. Matt Matt's excited about this as well because our friend Becky uh, from Middle Atlantic. We are proud to welcome our very first sponsor on AV Week. Uh, AV Nation is exclusively sponsored by Middle Atlantic Products. Uh, Middle Atlantic has designed a line of technology pedestals. So think about a couple years ago, uh, Middle Atlantic came out with their credenzas, right? It's, it's a, it was a sweet-looking little um, uh, you know, credenza with, with do- drawers and stuff like that. And you open it up, 
and it's a rack, right? It's a, it's a rack. It's a place to, to keep things, but it's not an ugly rack. You can put this in boardrooms and stuff like that. Same kind of idea, only it's a conference table. It's So you've got a number of different um, possibilities when it comes to the uh, overlays and the colors and things of that nature, but the rack is actually in in the in the legs here, and that's why it's that's called a, slick. a tech it's bed. Neat. Yeah, it is kind of. You've got two. You've got two different uh, legs there, so you've got places for both. You've got cub. You know the the, the little pop ups for everything, um, and then you you can look at the 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 sheet here with the the website. You've got you know um, you, you put down the two the two pedestals. You load it up with with the equipment. You put the the tabletop on. You put the coverings on the on the the tech pad. And you've got an integrated system right there, so it's it is kind of a slick thing. It's it's very cool. Um, yeah. If you're going to Infocom this this year, check them out uh, if you would. So you can do all kinds of things. There's wild mold uh, cable retractors, all sorts of stuff, and they even gave us a cool web page. So go to middleatlantic.com forward slash aviation hyphen techped. Middleatlantic.com forward slash aviation hyphen techped. Middle Atlantic products. What great systems are built on so thank and if God. i can add something to that absolutely to that wonderful library you know <laughs> we do we deal with contractors and cabinet companies millwork companies all the time and the hardest thing we just finished one uh two weeks ago did the final walkthrough with the representation from the or the rep from the the cabinet company and we showed them the spec we showed them we put a middle atlantic rack in it wasn't a tech pad uh, but it was a wall rack that went into a system. Long and short, he looked at the specs we gave him and said, yeah, we can shave a little bit here. It won't matter. No one will notice. Yeah, now the doors don't close completely, oh, so they're having to fix the whole thing. What makes these Middle Atlantic systems so phenomenal is you you get to cut that millwork company out of it. You don't have that extra headache. You just spec it. We, we spec these all the time, and you're able to spec a system with all the cat, everything you need, without having to deal with another, another company, and another chance to have something misinterpreted, uh, misconstrued, or misbuilt, yeah. uh, constructed poorly that doesn't make you and your company look the best. And that's where you know, again, great suppliers like Middle A help us so well. We love them. Yeah. And I'm done. <laughs> even better ad. Yeah, even better ad. Hey, there we Just, go. Just remember, ask for Becky Duck and tell her Matt sent you. Nice. <laughs> Don't do that. All right, guys. Last uh, fall, the group that gives us that gave us HDMI 1.0 uh, gave us HDMI 2.0. Yay! Uh, it's the latest specification. And as much grief as I've given the guys that do HDMI over the years, uh, you know, it it's it is a good spec and it, it is you know I'm not crazy about you know the connector necessarily but you know I, I understand the the transport technology. Um, it, it's given us a couple of different things you know advanced um, 3D capabilities yay, um, but it also gives us some faster speeds and things of that nature. Uh, Matt, first question for you though, as a guy that deals in in not just you know professional but you also do a fair amount of residential, are we are we ready for it from a standpoint of, of the equipment that we have coming in and, and um, are the other customers ready for this, this new iteration of HDMI? The customers aren't ready for it because to them it's still, it, it doesn't matter if it's HDMI 1, 1 1.3, 1.4, 2.0, they have as a rule no knowledge of that whatsoever. Um, that being said, very few, <coughs> excuse me, very few installations are requiring a redway red uh, uh -huh. red ray players mm -hmm. um, we're still not seeing a wide adoption or even a small adoption of 4k panels and 4k sources I know up here it's not available over any sort of broadcast whatsoever um, at, at some point we'll get there and I know they need it to continue to advance the technology as it currently exists, but the customer has no idea, no idea that there's a difference even. Do you and, think they care? You know, they, no, they don't. Okay. I don't think they care. We don't see them caring. That's for sure. Um, gosh, I, the appointment I did before this this podcast 
was dealing with clients who want to, you know, they just bought a new house doing extensive renovations, but they're mounting their seven and five year old TVs that don't even have HDMI. Wow. And it's, you know, it was the, um, all right, so we'll wire you for HDMI because you don't have it, but at some point you'll need it really soon. And, you know, again, that's, I think that's the issue that we see is that so often people, they're not advancing as quickly as we think they are. Um, and with something like this where it's a number, like a numerical spec, mm -hmm. they do need some form of, someone mentioned it in the comments of that article, that they need some naming conventions for this stuff so that people have a better understanding of what it is. Uh, because as the consumer, they don't. And to be perfectly honest, with some of the systems that I see and, and, and that you know our company fixes on a weekly basis, it seems, uh, a lot of the installers don't either. Um, you know, I, I've seen countless things, even in the last couple of weeks, where within the last year, companies have come in and put in uh, you know, just basic 1.0 HDMI, and they're having issues with their, you know, their ability where they should be using 1.4 at a minimum. Uh, and now 2.0 as soon as it starts shipping. Yeah. Uh, Paul, from a manufacturer standpoint, are you, uh, Cisco in general, but do you yeah. think the manufacturers are ready for, for this latest iteration? I'm ready or planning, I, I guess <laughs> I, I have not seen it, uh, you know, necessarily discussions about it in, in our products yet. Uh, I think kind of to Matt's point, I don't know that a lot of it has to be, you know, what's the reason for it? Are we really going to need it? I mean, one of the things that, that I saw that was kind of interesting about it was two streams mm -hmm. of video so that you could actually get two streams of video up on the same screen. That's, you know, we might be able to, to make use of that in some way. Uh, so you could use the same monitor and split it without having to have external gear or something like that. Uh, maybe. Uh, but right now, I, I have not heard anything about us doing that yet. But then, of course, you know, I'm not necessarily in the... You know, in the product R and D, my guess would be they know about it, but I don't. Okay, uh, Bradford, and, go ahead. No, go no, ask was, your question, and I'll. I was just going to ask you. Uh, I'm looking at going. Thank goodness it supports 3D. Yes, that's tongue tongue in cheek for those yeah, who aren't constantly. Constant oh my gosh! Can you imagine if it didn't? What oh my! I would the hue and cry what, riots in the street. What would I do with my 3D glasses? <laughs> But I'm looking at this going, okay, it's nice. It's a good new feature. It gives you higher bandwidth, all this stuff. And to me, it's kind of like Category 5 wiring versus Category 6 wiring. Or, sorry, Category 5E, now that 5's deprecated. You know, it's the next standard, and is there a need for it? I'm not saying that there aren't applications that will need it, but to Matt and Paul's point, I'm not sure that it's useful for many entry-level products. I think this is a 20% of the market usage case, not a 80% of the market usage case. You know, you need a red, a red player. You need a 4K display. You need a display that can display multiple streams to take advantage of it. I haven't looked through to see what the audio quality was on it, but, you know, it's this whole thing of you're going to have multiple differences. My pet peeve. And this is just my personal pet peeve, is that the connector's the same. Yeah. If if it's not gonna be that you can plug a you know, that you have no way of knowing that you plug a two point into a one point four input, it's kind of a pet peeve of mine. At least with the category five E cable versus category three, you knew the pins were different. It's harder to tell with six, but it's still one of my pet peeves of all the things is if the standard is new I hate having new connectors, but you need to have hopefully some good way to say this isn't working and here's why. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Instead of just saying, "Hey, it's it's the wrong iteration." So. My my favorite yeah. part of the 2.0 spec, and strictly speaking, strictly from a business standpoint, is it means that all of our 1.4 cable, <laughs> it's all bad. has decreased in price. In the oh, last, wait up. I kid you not. In the last month, we have bought more HDMI, stocking up, if you will. Uh, because they're selling it for next to nothing right now because they're awaiting all the shipments of the new 2.0 for systems that don't need it. Um, but hey, again, again, if we can sell it, we're all over it. Why not? Yeah. Yes, well, no, you totally need the 2.0. Nothing else will work. <laughs> but then you have, well, to, you have to buy the... 32 channels of audio you... at uh, 1.5 megahertz. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
I know I need 32 channels of audio. Yes, there's Atmos systems. I'm sure there's an Atmos system at home. But once again, this is a 20% marketplace, not a 80% solution. This is for Wait, the... You don't, you don't have Atmos in, in your basement? Mm. What the heck? What are you doing? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I'm poor. I work for, you know. I, I work for I got no audio system. Um, it's, it's probably one of those things, though, that, you know, time marches on. We, you know, yes. we look back even five years ago at, at what we thought was the norm, and that was as good as it was going to get, and we're, we're blowing through that and not even looking back. So it's inevitable. These kind of things happen, uh, you know, and you're, and you're going to start to get more and more and higher and higher. That's just the way it goes. Yeah, the question so, is when, when, they, when, when are they going to start inserting 8K into the spec instead of 4K? So. <laughs> it's a matter of time. It is a matter you of time. You know it is. It really is. It really is. <laughs> well, the, the interesting right. thing that I've found is that I, I keep waiting for HDBase-T to continue to show up in wider adoption from a lot of the panel, uh, panel manufacturers and the amp manufacturers. Uh, and, you know, again, I, I know we're, we're to that point where 2.0 will start to be used a lot, hopefully, in the next little bit. But that that keeps being one of those things that people keep talking about, and we still don't really see it. And you know, again, that that would be one of those things that I, I think will change things more than 2.0 will. And I would agree with that. Either whether it's it's HD based T or, or or AVB, having mm -hmm. that integrated, Either you know, yep. uh, on the network, mm -hmm. um, yep. single, yeah, single point, single cable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think right. an IP transport is going to win before HD base T or HDMI is going to take off because you can do gigabit at home cheap enough now mm -hmm. that you can stream direct, you know. Especially if it's... you're using those high-quality Cisco switches. <laughs> hey, oh, yeah, all right. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> is he Neither paying you? <laughs> no, I'll send you a bill, though. All right, very good. All right, guys, that's uh, on that note, I'd like to thank the gentleman. Paul Depperschmidt is from the fabulous Cisco. Uh, thank you, sir. Uh, where can people find you or find more about, about Cisco? You can reach me at pdepper's at cisco.com. And, of course, you can always go to cisco.com. There you could, you could spend a week going through the, the website there. Uh, but in my my role, I'm actually in the collaboration world. So if you're thinking video conferencing, or you're thinking voice, or instant messenger presence, or WebEx, or any of those kind of things, you know, give give me a shout, and uh, and we'll help guide you. Okay. Uh, also with us is Matt D. Scott from Omega Audio Video. Thank you, sir. Thank you. It was a pleasure being here. And where can people find you or uh, or Omega? You can find me just about anywhere using Matt D. Scott, uh, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. Google Plus, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you can find the company OmegaAudioVideo.com. Very good. And last but not least, Bradford Ben from Harmon International. Thank you, sir. My pleasure as always. And since I know you're going to ask where can people find me, the <laughs> flippant answer is your local uh, Hampton Inn. Uh, <laughs> the more, real the kidding, more realistic one is uh, at Bradford Ben or uh, Bradford.Ben at Harmon.com or Bradford Ben on almost any social media. I'm almost as much of a social butterfly as Matt Scott. Uh, we will be running smack on the hockey, although I can't make too much fun of the blues. No, you can't. They actually are looking good at the moment as opposed to my devils, which I have to hang my head in shame about. That's all right. At least it's not the Rangers. Hey, 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 this is a family hey. show. Don't bring up that name again. <laughs> no, our, our, our buddy George Tucker is a huge blues Rangers fan. are raving again. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Uh, my name is Tim Albright. Don't follow me, but go, go by the website because Matt D. Scott made it, and he did a very good job. Uh, yeah, Aviation, I found a bug this week. He found, yeah, Bradford did find a I bug. I made it just for you, though, Aviation.tv. Aviation.tv. You'll find this program and a host of others. The, uh, the guys just recorded a brand-new uh, Pico Projector show, uh, and you can also see the uh, podcast that has the best hair uh, in the history of the Internet. The AV App Show, which has Matt D. Scott and uh, and Phil Cordell, uh, Hi-Fi. So that posts hey, typically every Wednesday or Thursday, Matt. The two of us together. Yes. Some hair, serious hair. <clears throat> serious hair. And don't don't forget Matt's hair. Serious lack of. <laughs> yeah, you Paul, Paul and Bradford have the serious lack of, and we 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 are challenged in that direction. <laughs> I need more cooling for the big brain. That's my. That's what it is. That's, that's what it is. right. That's uh, why Matt has hair and I don't. Wow. Yeah, that's... No, I just insulate the brain. It's warm. It's cold up there, man. It's Canada. It's in Canada. And, that's and true. Is, is your Harris Twitter account at Matt D. Scott Hair? Matt's, uh, yes, Matt Scott's Matt hair. Matt Scott's hair. That's what it was. 
So yeah, go by the website. Uh, you'll also find a a a, 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 a I almost said a Google ad, uh, an ad for our, for our, our sponsor the, uh, this month, Middle Atlantic. Um, so click on that if you would, please. Avnation.tv, Avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. That's all the time we have for Bye, everybody. the week. Bye.